Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Welcome back, friends. It is an honor to be able to be here with you. Now, I have to tell you, when I record these, I am just imagining that I am sitting with you at a table or a desk with our Bibles out in front of us, and we're just studying the Word together, just you and me. And I, I see myself, I've said it before, I see myself as just a coach trying to encourage you to dig into these words yourself a little bit more deeply and uh, that's my goal. So let's ask the Lord for help in that. Heavenly Father, only you can make this time rich and worthwhile. So I ask that your spirit would be here with us right now as we dig into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is day four in our journey through Philippi in Acts chapter 16, and we have seen some extraordinary miracles already in this chapter and some beautiful things happening, and also some really striking things happening, where the, the Lydia coming to Christ, the first convert in Europe, and then this demon-possessed girl, servant girl, uh, being set free. And uh, we're, there's some more exciting stuff to come. However, before we get to that exciting stuff, we have to go through a very dark valley. Uh, one of the uh, darkest episodes in Paul's life one that he uh, refers back to in later letters, and we'll look at those in a minute. But I just want to read through this passage, and then we'll just unpack it a little bit, starting in verse 19. But when her masters, uh, her, that is the uh, slave girl who was the demon-possessed oracle fortune teller, when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding their jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Wow. I have to tell you, when I first started studying this, I was not really sure where to go with it. What was God trying to teach me from this? And I was actually tempted to kind of skim over this passage and kind of jump into the next paragraph where it talks about the victorious earthquake and all the exciting stuff in that part. But something told me that I needed to wait and I needed to pause and really understand what Paul and Silas were going through in these few short verses. Because I'll tell you, I don't believe we can get to the mountain peaks of victory in our lives without going through some very dark and painful battles along the way. And you might be in a situation where you are facing spiritual setbacks in your own life, spiritual opposition, either demonic or from the world or from your flesh or just wherever it is, 
that is coming against you, trying to stifle what God wants to do in your life, the victory and the adventure that God wants to bring you into. But first, you have to go through the darkness. And so I think it's encouraging in a harsh way to look at this dark moment in Paul's life. So let's just let's just pull it apart a little bit. Again, back in verse 19, when her masters, the slave girl's masters, saw that their hope of profit was gone, they realized that their servant could no longer tell fortunes, so therefore she could no longer make fortunes for them because she was very profitable. She was a very influential prophetess. And so when they realized that their money, their business was facing bankruptcy, essentially, they were irate and angry. And so they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. That word marketplace in the Greek is the word agora. Perhaps you're familiar with ancient Greek agoras. They were the town square, the center of town. And uh, you can see pictures of Philippi even to this day. The archaeological remains are really stunning. And you can uh, see this agora. It still exists. In fact, there are a set of steps on the agora that lead up to what was called the Bema seat, which is where the magistrates would sit and pronounce their judicial judgments. And those are still in existence. That's where they took Paul and Silas into the center of town before the primary leaders of the Roman colony. Verse 20, when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, okay, and then now we're going to launch into this tirade, this extraordinary accusation brought against Paul and Silas. And uh, when I looked at it, I, I saw four different aspects of their accusations. So see if you can see those when we, when we read through. They said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews. And they're proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. Now, there's a lot of indications that this, this was not just a short spiel that the masters were given, but this was a very emotionally evocative, they use all sorts of evocative words to provoke the crowd into a frenzy. And so this was growing to become a riot. And so there was all sorts of accusations brought against them. And I have, you have to put yourself into, you know, Paul and Silas into their sandals to imagine what it sounded like. Look at the accusations. First, these men are throwing our city into confusion. Okay, What's up with that? I mean, that's not even true, right? I mean, what had Paul done so far? He had, you know, had a quiet prayer meeting down by the river, and he had freed a woman from her demonic oppression. They were there to help. They were there to bring truth and life and gospel. And the first accusation is questioning their motives, questioning their intentions. They're here to disrupt things. They're here to make a mess of things. And then they bring up their Jewishness. They bring up their race and they blast them for the race. Remember, there's not very many Jews in this town. And, and uh, the indication is that there is a growing anti-Semitism in the Roman Empire. In fact, just a couple of chapters later, we read that the emperor throws all of the Jews out of Rome and, and makes uh, Rome a Jew-free city. So that sentiment is clearly building in the uh, Roman Empire as a whole, and it has clearly come here. So they jump on their race, racial... Uh, accusations. And then they say, they're proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or observe. Again, not exactly true. There were some laws in the books that controlled uh, religious 
a diversity in Rome, but in reality, pretty much everything was usually tolerated unless it threatened the civil peace or the economic prosperity of a city, and then they would bring out some some of the ancient laws to say, oh, this is illegal, but it, it really wasn't. And then finally, they point to their own heritage, their own patriotic culture. They say, we are Romans, as if that is the epitome of culture and civilization. They were very proud of their Roman heritage, and they say, we Romans can't listen to these ridiculous Jews and their preposterous, disruptive, cultic religions. So, now, what are you thinking? If you're Paul and Silas, what are you thinking at this moment? I mean, we get a picture a little later on of their character, but I got to be honest. I mean, if it's me in this situation, I'm going to be thinking, how did I get myself into this? That dream I had the other day that sent me here, you know, maybe that was just a mistake. Maybe this was not, maybe... Maybe I made a terrible mistake, and what have I gotten myself into and my friends into? This is disastrous and terrifying, quite honestly. And if the uh, accusations against their character and their race and their intentions wasn't bad enough, it turns violent. Verse 22, this speech was so provocative that it, it riled up the entire crowd, and the crowd rises up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore off their robes, They didn't tear off their own robes. The Jewish magistrates sometimes did that, but these were the Greek magistrates. No, they tore off Paul and Silas's clothes, ripped off their clothes, which is embarrassing for anybody. But for the Jews in those days, that was one of the most shameful things that could happen. I mean, the Greeks didn't really care. They they did their Olympics in the nude. But to a Jewish man, this would have been a very humiliating and shameful thing just to have their clothes ripped off them. And then... The magistrates proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. So the police of that town uh, were a group that wore on their belt a bundle of rods with an axe in the middle. And this bundle was a symbolic uh, representation of their authority to use force. And it was intended as an intimidation factor. But there were times that they were actually would use them. It wasn't just for show. And this is one of those cases where they, would, they took out these wooden rods and they started wailing on Paul and Silas. Okay, I, I got to be honest. Again, I, <laughs> if I'm there, you, you hit me one time with a baseball bat, I'm like going to be saying, stop, stop, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll leave, okay, enough. But Paul and Silas put up with this. They get beaten with rods. And it says, when they had inflicted many blows on them. So this wasn't just one whack. This was beating them to a pulp, basically. And then they threw them into prison. And I can only imagine what Roman dungeon prisons were like. I'm sure not very pleasant. The jailer was probably a former Roman soldier himself. Uh, Again, not somebody known for kindness and mercy. So they commanded this jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So if it wasn't bad enough that they got beaten near death, now they get locked inside this dark prison and they can't even walk or move around, but in their misery and pain, their legs are now locked into a, a, a wooden stock. Wow. Talk about setbacks. Talk about wondering 
how did we get here? What is going on? Years later, Paul talked about this episode in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. He, he described all the types of things that he had to endure as an apostle. He says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. This is one of those occasions. We actually don't know what the other two were. Luke doesn't record them, but this is one of those that stuck out in his mind. He goes on and says, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the deep, and I've been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, robbers, countrymen, dangers, wilderness, etc., etc. He he says, I know what it's like to suffer. And when I read this passage and just the emotional uh, abuse and the physical abuse tied together, the shame, the pain, the misery that he had to endure, I just, it gives me just this profound respect and admiration for a man who is willing to go through all of this to bring a message of hope to people who would have no other way of finding it. He was willing, and God was willing to allow him to go through this incredibly dark and painful episode. You know, I have this magazine that I get called The Voice of the Martyrs. It's a uh, monthly newsletter that describes some of the people in our world today who have gone through severe suffering because of their faith. And I'll be honest, I can't relate to it. I can't imagine going through that. I, I live a pretty comfortable life. I don't get persecuted. I don't get accused of illegal activities. And I don't get uh, beaten with rods and stuck in jail for my faith. But there are people in our world who are going through that right now. I just read uh, a couple weeks ago of a pastor in this magazine, and it had pictures of him with uh, his thumb cut off and several fingers cut off and scars on his arms and legs because he was attacked in his bed with machetes, and he was left for dead, and he only barely survived this episode but he came out of it praying for his attackers and praising God for his survival and for his ministry. And I see men like that who endure that sort of thing. And I think, wow, they're they're made of a, a different stock than I am. They, I, I I'm not sure if I have that much determination and faithfulness in my body to be able to endure and and experience something like this. But I am encouraged and motivated to want to have that type of character, to want to be willing to to go through whatever my Lord deems necessary to bring the message of hope to those who would have no way of finding out otherwise. So friends, I just want to encourage you today to read back through this passage, to put yourself there in that city, in that crowd, what would be going through your mind? And I, I want to encourage you because I imagine that there's someone listening to me right now who are going through their own persecution or frustration or uh, setbacks and to understand that, that God sees this and that we're going to see that God very much rewarded Paul for what he endured. And I am... I am one of the beneficiaries of this because I am a, you know, a Western Gentile and I would never have known the hope of the gospel if Paul hadn't gone through this. 
It's amazing what what treacherous times the early church had to go through in order for Christianity to be firmly established in the world. But I am grateful for a man like Paul who would go through it. Lord God, I just thank you right now for Paul and Silas, these men who sometimes seem so distant. Uh, They just feel like storybook characters, but yet they were real guys who really went through torture. And I praise you that they were men who were able to face that torture with faith. And I just want to pray that you would just help everybody who's listening to this right now to see the joy that is set before them. Jesus, you endured the cross because of the joy that was set before you. And I pray that you would give my listeners right now, especially those who are going through suffering of their own and setbacks, that you would give them a glimpse of the joy on the other side. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart, transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.